This morning I'll be preaching on Mark chapter 9, which is the transfiguration of Jesus. In, there, in this passage, God says, this is my son, listen to him. And so let's pray in asking God to help us listen to Jesus this morning. Holy and gracious Father, you command us to listen. You call us to listen. You created us to listen. For Lord, when you speak, your word is power. When you speak, you create. Out of darkness, you create light. Out of nothing, you create things. Oh Lord, we ask that you would speak and that you would cause our our ears that are so dull of hearing that they, they would hear your word and be transformed by your word. Oh Lord, speak in a mighty way and give us ears to listen. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, Jamie, my wife, and I saw a movie. And you know, last week was Valentine's Day, so did we see a movie I wanted to see? Yeah, I did. Of course I did. That's right. That's right. That's right. We saw that movie, New in Town, that little love story with Harry Connick Jr. and Renee Zellweger. And um, I'm watching the movie, and, and it's in Minnesota, don't you know? So that was fun to watch that. And, and, and there's a scene where, where Harry Connick Jr.'s daughter, his only daughter, goes on her first date. And she, he gives a talk to the young man, and then they leave. And suddenly the door closes, and he goes, <gasps> He's like, I think I'm getting lightheaded. I need to sit down. And then he goes, I think I'm having a heart attack. Which arm's supposed to hurt? Both are hurting. <laughs> and then he goes on to say, I think I'm having a stroke. <laughs> and as he's doing all this, I'm thinking, you know, my daughters are getting older and older every day. I'm going to be in serious trouble. I mean, when they start dating at age 25, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Maury, you're in trouble. Jimmy back there with the little baby girl, you're in trouble. And you know what? I think, I think the wilder you were as a young man, suddenly the Lord gives you daughters to humble you. <laughs> Yeah. Whew. I like that scene, though, and I share that scene because, you know, I think the disciples, when we get to the Mount of Transfiguration, they're starting to feel a little queasy, as if all the air out of the sails were taken out, as if they got punched in the stomach. You see, up to the po- this point... Things have been going great for the disciples. Jesus calls them, they immediately follow. Jesus enters the synagogue, he preaches with authority, casts out demons. Jesus goes from the synagogue to Peter's mother-in-law's house, heals her with a fever. He goes from there to the rest of the city. He goes from the rest of the city to the nearby cities. He's proclaiming the word of God. The gospel's advancing. The kingdom of God has power. People are being attracted to it. Just lives are being changed. This is is good news, powerful news. And think about those disciples. They're young men. Think of how exciting it is for them. Their their hair is set on fire. I mean, they've been called by Jesus, and they're with Jesus for three years, and everything's getting turned around. Uh, Demon possessions are, people are getting, demons are getting cast out. Healings are occurring. For these young men, 
Strong young men, I bet it's wild. Best three years of their lives. Wonderful. They have power, they have authority, they have respect like they never knew. They had hope maybe for the first time in their lives. Marvelous. But then everything starts to change in chapter 8 of Mark. In chapter 8, verse 31, it says this. Jesus then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. He spoke plenty of, plainly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You see how that suddenly takes all the air out of your sails? I mean, what, did, what does this mean? Talk about a punch to the stomach. Jesus, this isn't what we signed up for. We signed up to, to see you turn the world upside down, but now you're going to be killed? Jesus, how does this work? I don't get it. You can see the disciples starting to think that way. I mean, for Peter, he takes Jesus aside and starts to rebuke him. Jesus, you can't talk this way. This is the first time in our whole lives we've ever had hope, and you're going to now take that away from us? What are you doing, Jesus? You can't die. You have authority over the teachers of the law. How are you going to be duped by them? You have authority over the demons. How are they going to have power over you? Jesus, this doesn't jive. You can't take this away from us. What are you doing? You can sense the frustration, the pain of those disciples. No wonder Peter took Jesus aside. Jesus, you keep talking like that, everyone's going to leave. Be quiet, Jesus. Of course, Jesus rebukes him. Get behind me, Satan. That's a different sermon. But the point is, for the disciples, they've been hit in the stomach. Their life, the, the, the rug's been pulled out from under them. What's going to happen? How can they even endure one second? Well, this brings us then to the Mount of Transfiguration. The disciples had been on this high, and with one sentence, the disciples have been tossed into a valley. And so here comes the, the Mount of Transfiguration. I'm just going to highlight as I read this a few, a few words as we go through this. So chapter 9 of Mark. So the disciples are in the dumps, and this is now what Jesus says to them. And Jesus said to them, verse 1, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. So a few of you are going to see me in all my glory. Verse 2, after six days, you think that was the longest six days of their lives? <laughs> here, here, some of us are going to see glory and now six days. I mean, God created heaven and the earth in six days. Six days is just long enough to throw you into utter confusion. And so for those disciples, six days, when's it going to happen? What's it going to look like? Which of us are going to go? You know, you can see how this goes. After six days of this, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up a high mountain. The idea is high mountain. It's as if they were in the heavens themselves. So they're up in the high mountain where they were all alone. There Jesus was transfigured before them. He was morphed is the language of Greek. It's, he was morphed in front of them. 
His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Why is Elijah Elijah and Moses important? Because they too had gone up a mountain. Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb, which is the same mountain. They had gone up the mountain, and there God had shined on them. God had given the revelation, Ten Commandments to Moses. God spoke to Elijah saying, I speak in a still, quiet voice. So that's way back. So they both had experienced this theophany. Well, this is what's happening to the disciples. So Elijah and Moses are there, and they are talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, verse 5, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us put up three shelters, or tabernacles. Old Testament, the tabernacle led them through the wilderness, so the tabernacles. Let's make three tabernacles. What happened to the tabernacle in the Old Testament? What came upon the tabernacle? Those who remember the Old Testament, what came upon it? Do you remember? Oh, we need to have Old Testament Bible class again. (laughs) The glory of God would shine upon it, a cloud by day, pillar of fire at night. Remember this? So let's make three tabernacles so the glory of God might shine upon us. Remember the kingdom of God's coming with power, glory. They're up there. It's transfiguring. So all this stuff's happening. Let's make three shelters. But he did not know what to say. He was, they were so frightened. Then a cloud, cloud back, Old Testament. Okay, your lights are going off. Cloud appeared and enveloped them. And a voice came from the cloud. This is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Suddenly when they looked around, they no longer saw anyone with them except Jesus. So Jesus is then the Son of God. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus gave them orders not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. They listened. They kept the matter to themselves, discussing what rising from the dead meant. Okay. That's just a little. Is that a powerful event? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is Old Testament kind of language. This is Elijah and Moses type of language. This is up in the highest of the heavens, in the highest of mountains, God coming down, dazzling white. You think this is white? This is just supposed to be a symbol of that dazzling white that happened before them. The glory of the Lord was upon them. Crazy, powerful. But the question is, how in the world does that relate to what's just happened? The disciples are in the dumps. How are these two things connected? Well, they are, and it's this way. The transfiguration is meant to tell the disciples, with Jesus, there's more than meets the eye. Jesus is more than just simply a man. Jesus is the Son of God. With God, he can do two things at once. Elijah and Moses, who's from the past, could be in the present. The kingdom of God can be both powerful and hidden. Jesus can be both glorified and humiliated. Why is that important? Remember what he's talking about, the cross? The cross is a place where it looks like defeat, but it's victory. He's saying, I must go. You think I'm going to lose here? No, 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 no. I'm going to win. Because with Jesus, there's more than meets the eye. And that's why Moses and Elijah are there. There are testimonies to this. Think about Moses and Elijah. They had great victories in their lives. Moses led the people out of Egypt. But what ended up happening to those people? Did they listen to Moses? No. They make a golden calf. 
I mean, this is why I'm convinced they're the first Lutherans ever. I mean, <laughs> they get it one second and then they fail the very next. Only some of you are laughing. <laughs> so this great victory and then this terrible defeat, they die in the wilderness. What about Elijah? Elijah calls down fire from heaven. Remember I, I told you about when the, someone comes to take my daughters home? I'm going to do this. I'm going to have the picture book with Bible book of Elijah calling down fire. <laughs> and I'm going to say, you know, son, this man called down fire. I'm not going to say anything more, but my daughter will be home at 6 tonight. <laughs> it's 5.55 right now. <laughs> no, but Elijah, he had this great victory, right? And then the very next moment, what happens? He flees from Jezebel. And so for Moses and Elijah, they had great victories, but they also had terrible defeats. With Moses and Elijah, they had, they had glory and they had humiliation. They're perfect to be with Jesus because Jesus is going to have glory and humiliation with the cross. And it's going to be terrible for Jesus. But remember, with Moses and Elijah, what happened at the end of their lives? God buried Moses. And God raised Elijah. And Jesus is going to die and be put in a tomb. God's going to raise him from the dead. You see how all this stuff is starting to work? With Jesus, there's more than meets the eye. In fact, with Jesus, Jesus has to go to the cross because he has to preach the good news. He can't simply cast out demons. He has to defeat the devil. He can't simply heal the sick. He has to conquer the grave. He must lose his life in order to save ours. But Jesus, there's more than meets the eye. Now, do you think the disciples understood that at that time? No way. You're absolutely correct. They didn't understand that. How could they understand it? And that's why God shows up with a cloud and simply says, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. Notice he doesn't say, Listen and figure it out. Or he doesn't say, you know, you should know better. Rather, God simply calls them and says, listen to Jesus. This is my son. You can trust him. He has the words of eternal life. Listen to him. Listen to him. He has words for you. Isn't that where we're at today? I think all of us need to listen to Jesus. There are many things happening in our own lives that are not pretty. There are many hardships and struggles and addictions and failures in our own lives that, that rip the very hope from us, that will take our faith away, that will cast us down into the dumps like the disciples were at, causing us to doubt ourselves, doubt others, to doubt God. And said such times that God's word commands us to listen to Jesus. I mean, for all of you who are feeling alone out there, who are alone, God is saying, listen to Jesus as he says, surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Or for those of you who are worried about the economy, listen to Jesus as he says, have no fear, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Or for those of you who are plagued by sin and guilt, listen to Jesus as he says, your sins are forgiven. 
or for those of you who are broken by life. Listen to Jesus as he says, Come unto me, all who are weak and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Or for those of you who are near death, or who have lost a loved one, listen to Jesus as he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me shall live. Listen to Jesus, O Reformation. Listen to him. With Jesus, there's more to him than meets the eye. You can trust him. He's the son of God. The father trusts him. You can trust him. Listen to Jesus as he calls you to himself, saying your sins are forgiven, that he's with you always, that he will take care of you, that he goes to prepare a place for you, a wonderful place. Listen to Jesus. He has the words of eternal life. Amen.